just a trigger warning before we get into the intro, we're going to be talking about uh, some harsh topics, probably briefly, specifically female genital mutilation. So if that's uncomfortable to you, maybe skip like the first half hour of this episode, or just don't listen. Anyway, here's the intro. Tori Amos's first hit single in the UK, off of her second studio album, Under the Pink, drew inspiration from a few unexpected places. The lyrical content was inspired by the 1992 book Possessing the Secret of Joy by Alice Walker. The book tells the story of a woman returning to her fictional African homeland to undergo female genital mutilation. This book, coupled with a conversation Amos had on the subject with a longtime friend, specifically about how it is the woman closest to the young girl who takes her to have the procedure done, led to the main theme of this hit single, Betrayal. The music came from a much lighter place, in London. Amos was living across from a reggae music venue where she heard a distant groove coming in through her window one day. She jammed along to the groove on her piano, and once the music stopped, she found herself still playing this one riff. Despite having this riff in her pocket, it took a year and some rigorous working and reworking in a studio in New Mexico to bring the music to its haunting, mysterious, moody, and sometimes cacophonous final form. The song hit number 7 on the US Billboard Bubbling Under Hot 100, a chart reserved for songs that aren't quite reaching the Billboard Hot 100. It fared better elsewhere in the world with a number four spot on the UK singles chart, number nine on the Irish singles chart, and number two in Iceland. The song's food-based title led to Amos's picture being plastered on a limited edition collection of cereal boxes. The cereal was cornflakes. That's right, we're talking Cornflake Girl by Tori Amos this week on Cover Me. Never was a cornflake Thought that was a good solution Hanging with the raisin girls She's gone to the other side Give that's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions and compares them against one another to find out which one is not really happening. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my Raisin co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. A raisin of a man, if ever there was one. Hey, that's a compliment in the context of the song. Yeah, it is. Which is, uh... Hey, that's something. Yeah. Totally. Alex, how are you on this, the 22nd of November? Uh, a little shocked that it's already the 22nd of November. Just sitting back here and enjoying the sunset. Hell yeah. At the late, late time of 3.20 p.m. Damn, dude. That's just how it goes. That is just how it goes. I was complaining about a 4.20 sunset yesterday, but I guess, guess you guys got it worse there. <laughs> It's, I mean, a little bit. You're, you're around the earth a bit. So mm-hmm. it can't be... I don't know. I don't know, Doug. What I do know is we're talking about Tori Amos this week, who we've talked about previously on our uh, Nirvana episode, Smells Like Teen Spirit, where she did a very, uh, a very slow, moody version of Smells Like Teen Spirit, which I think we both enjoyed, but I don't remember. Who can remember? That would involve listening to an old episode and confirming. Seriously, I was looking at some download statistics for episodes today and just, like, scrolling through, and it was like, oh, shit, yeah, we talked about fucking Tutti Frutti. We did, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. It's been a long year. It has. It seems like a long time ago, and now we're, like, nearing the end of this year and nearing the start of another year of... Being in like pandemic mode. 
Which oh is yeah, buddy. Pretty wild. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is a time that now has precedent. The precedent is the past nine months, or give or take. Yeah, that's true. It's no longer unprecedented. We are expecting what's coming next because it's been happening for months. But man, do I ever wish it would stop happening? Definitely. I mean, I was gonna take swimming lessons, like right. Can't do that. Can't do that right now. They're closed. Actually, I think they might do one-on-one swimming lessons, but that sounds expensive. And aggressive. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what's important. What's important is cornflakes. And Tori Amos. What do you know about Tori Amos beyond the fact that she one time did a cover of a Nirvana song? Not a whole lot, honestly. Like, I don't... I was asking the people around me, because, you know, limited bubbles and all that, Mm -hmm. what they knew about Tori Amos as well, what if they knew this song, if they knew other songs, and none of them recognize her at all. Okay, now paint paint me you asking this question. Was it more like a uh, like a noir film kind of interrogation, or did you have them tied to a chair in a room with one swinging light? Um, you're just kind of screaming at them. I wouldn't say I was screaming. It was like... <laughs> Who the fuck is Tori Amos? Like, I got some information here. Tori Amos, you heard of her? Kind of thing. Somebody so, slips yeah, a file a under your door in the middle of the night. You open it. It's just a printed Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> my God, an issue of Sandman or whatever. <laughs> That's the other thing I know about Tori Amos is she was the inspiration for a character in Sandman. That's right. I'm I'm blanking on the character now. Um, it is. But she's good oh. friends with Neil Gaiman, who's another artist that I'm also familiar with more familiar with so that's usually what i default to about things i know about tori amos right is that she is best friends with neil gaiman and they occasionally delirium is the character she inspired yeah so there you go yeah that's pretty much it she's got a very like strong 90s vibe to her definitely that's just my impression attitude music very 90s yeah very 90s and in uh Sometimes we talk about the 90s in a bad light. I think this is maybe the the good side of the 90s. Yeah, less negative, I think, than a lot of... So, than, than some of the 90s stuff we've talked about, because we often kind of roll our eyes. Mm-hmm. This is maybe a little bit more forward-thinking. Yeah, than, it seems very... Uh, like, even this song itself has a lot of nuance and draw, uh, draws inspiration, like I said in the intro, from some, some places I wouldn't expect, even from the sort of dark, grungy 90s. Hmm. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, and, like, I like this song overall. I only ever heard the, the last cover version we'll be talking about today is how I heard this song originally. I figured. I did. Yeah. You figured it out, Alex. You, you saw the cold code. I got that in my brain. Well, Alex, do you want to give an overall opinion of this song before we jump into the, to the analysis? Sure, yeah. I also did not know this song ahead of time. Uh, seems like a silly name, mm-hmm. first hearing it, but like honestly, by uh, listening to it on repeat, uh, I feel like I really like got into it. It's, it's got a good groove to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Even though it's fairly long, we don't usually cover songs that go over five minutes. Maybe it's just because there are less of them on the bell curve of song lengths. Yeah. But I didn't find it 
to be overly long or anything. Not again, not that five minutes is that long, but usually when I first start listening to a song and don't know it very well, it feels like longer, right? A long time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, this one's this very one dynamic. Yeah. It sets up some, like you said, it's got a gr- good groove and it has some very distinct portions. And then in the later half, it I think it plays with some looser segments, the bridges, the solos. And then the, the ending segment with where they, where she brings in another singer too, who we'll get to talk about, mm-hmm. which is fun. Yeah, it's got some good sounds. Got some good sounds, absolutely, a hundred percent. Let's talk about some of the voice sounds, particularly the words that she's making with her voice, which professionals call the lyrics. Wow, <laughs> little little inside talk for you guys. A little peek, peek behind the kimono of the music industry. Peek through behind the proverbial around. kimono. Of the the music proverbial kimono is a great indie band name. <laughs> um, we're gonna talk about verse one of Cornflake Girl, which begins "Never was a Cornflake Girl." So already we are a- just contradicting everything we thought we knew. Exactly. Well, apparently a lot of people called Tori Amos the Cornflake Girl after this because they had obviously heard the song. But and she was on Cornflakes. Yeah, you can see it if on the Genius page. If you don't click on any annotations, it's got that Cornflake Girl box. But like, which is a little weird because one, she's kind of talking shit about Cornflakes. The point mm-hmm. of this song is that Cornflakes are kind of boring. And uh, two... She's referring to a cereal that contains both cornflakes and raisins, and just cornflakes don't contain both of those things. Apparently, those things. Just Right does, but I don't know if I've ever had Just Right. Yeah, and that's the other crazy thing. Just Right, she was in an advertisement for that in 1984. Before she ever wrote this song by yeah. several years. But yeah, this came out in 1994, so that's a 10-year gap. So, what's going on there? It's a conspiracy, I'm sure. Something Sweet. to do with the rooster on the front of the cornflakes. Yeah, Tor- Tori Amos is a plant in the music industry by Big Cornflake. A big Cornflake to sell more flakes. Of corn? Of corn? So never was a Cornflake girl, thought that was a good solution. Hanging with the Raisin Girls. She's gone to the other side, giving us a yo-heave-ho. Things are getting kind of gro- gross, and I go at sleepy time. This is the first time I've heard the phrase sleepy time in a song as sleepy well. Sleepy time. Well, <laughs> I gotta, it's I a kind go of tea. Sleepy time. It um, is a kind of tea. So, uh, again, the idea behind the song is that she is not a cornflake girl or aspires to not be a cornflake girl. And in context, as you mentioned, a cornflake girl, based on her, it sounds like, like high school experience. Like this is ling- language that she used that yeah she does say in several interviews that it's her and a friend of hers used to use this specific term to refer to these these girls who will like kind of betray you and are aren't you know legit yeah uh who who will betray you to other people or or can't be trusted and kind of implies that they're boring mm-hmm. and bland and it's kind of just another way of like we would say like basic bitch or something like that right that would would be the the terminology now can we bring cornflake girl back that's that i mean (laughs) neither one's like nice but cornflake girl is uh, is a little more dynamic i think yeah i think think it's got a little i think i think it can have a comeback comeback now yeah god i stumbled over that sentence um (laughs) she's she's talked about this in like 20 different interviews so she has like three different like 
ways she's defined them. So she says the two terms represent two different ways of thinking, narrow-mindedness and open-mindedness. And this is just in the genius annotation. It's got some some interview quotes. So Cornflake Girls, like you said, boring, also narrow-minded. Um, she's called them white bread or wonder bread, whereas Raisin Girls are whole wheat, multicultural, open, and have a little more going on. Um, Cornflake Girls are also narrow-minded and full of prejudice. Right. And I mean, that's, that's a lot there. Um, it's origin as a like kind of high school term really makes it feel very like clickish, you know, Mm -hmm. we, who we, you know, we are the raisins, they are the cornflakes kind of thing, which like, it's, it's kind of that, like, uh, like popular culture view of high school and cliques and stuff that I didn't really experience though. That is a very basic, like in group out group thing. So I did experience that, but yeah, not as extreme as, you know, never girls dived into the politics of it really. But anyway, um, that's probably all I have to say about that. Cause I don't think I, really said anything now that i'm well thinking back you said many words at the i said a lot balance. of words yeah and that's that's value simply by quantity of course uh, now here's my question to you alex um is she talking about that she herself the narrator or tori amos in this case we'll just say the narrator to give it a little bit of a, a space right. never was a cornflake girl or is she talking about this this woman who's referred to in the second half of the verse who's gone to the other side um i think think that the sort of narrative of this is she's never a cornflake girl because of course you don't think of yourself as a cornflake you think of everyone else's cornflakes and you're a raisin uh, and she was trying to stay with other raisins hanging mm-hmm. with the raisin girls which she thought was a good solution but someone moved to the other side someone changed somebody became someone a, a betrayed girl. her and then they no longer view her as a excuse me they no longer view her as a raisin because something happened and she mm-hmm. she betrayed their trust yeah so is it when she says thought that was a good solution did she assume that like if she stuck with raisin girls she would never uh, suffer the the betrayal and uh, sort of infighting and grossness that is associated with a cornflake girl i think so Right. But then I, I I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But then like it turned out to not have worked because maybe mm-hmm. we're all both raisins and cornflakes at the end maybe of the day. Maybe we are. Yeah. Maybe we that. all have that capacity within us. We all we all wear different masks and one of them is a cornflake and one of them's a raisin. Yeah. And to briefly address the inspiration or part of the inspiration, as she mentioned, she was originally thinking about it because she was learning about female genital mutilation and how some of these young girls would be sort of turned over by women that they trusted to whoever would, or perf- have this act performed on them. Yeah, she says them. here in an interview so with Enemy Classic Song, she says, we were talking about the fact that the women are betrayed by a grandmother, a mother, or an older sister, that the women you trust the most are taking you into this butchery. We had a term for those people, those girls that would turn on you, that wouldn't be there for you, that would maybe expose something you trusted them with and really let you down, a complete wreckage. So these girls were called cornflake girls. Yeah, so I guess on her end, it's sort of got, you got like the inspiration side, and then pulling from her own past these words 
that are applicable to that to, for her and then making the song which really in the song is just very broadly about betrayal mm-hmm and the, but it is a i mean she says things are getting kind of gross true um and she mentions in another interview that part of what like is painful about uh betrayal from you know your own social group is that from women you don't expect it she says as much as you expect it from a dude so it hurts more i suppose particularly if it's someone you trust more yeah Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, there, and I think in that there is a sort of a violence or a grossness. So she says things are getting kind of gross and I go at sleepy time. And this is another example of a verse that leads into the pre-chorus. Because I think I go at sleepy time is connected to the next two lines. This is not real. This of this. This is not really happening. Yeah, it kind of does the like almost like skips skipping sound. Mm-hmm. And then it's just denial of what's going on because it is a traumatic experience to be betrayed yeah. by someone you trust. Lose yeah, trust. So, and so you get the denial of it, which is uh, we get a little falling apart of the instruments at this part too, but we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But then that leads us into the big ripping chorus, which is the chorus itself is almost two different halves. She yeah, says, you bet your life it is. You bet your life it is. Oh, honey, you bet your life. It's a peel out the watchword, just peel out the watchword. Now, the first half of this is very easy. It is actually happening. Yeah, there's Bet like the denial is. and then the affirmation that, no, it is. This is real. This is real. Mm-hmm. Three times. And now the watchword, um, I had the dictionary definition of here. It's essentially a word or phrase expressing a person's or group's core aim or belief. And Genius points out that this may in some way be a reference to a 19th century gospel song entitled True Hearted, Wholehearted, um, which urges Christians to peel out the watchword spelt differently than it is in the, uh, the liner notes for this song. This peel meaning to like loudly ring a bell, yeah. whereas in, in this song it's to rip away. Yeah, so P-E-A-L just being like shouted from the mountaintops, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, kind of, yeah, you have the two possible meanings, I guess. If you go with the original, it's just talking about proclaiming your beliefs to everyone, telling mm-hmm. everyone. And that's kind of, I guess, like an honest act, being like the, telling everyone the truth about what you believe, versus removing that and, and forcibly peeling off the watchword, which is your beliefs, which is kind of not showing your beliefs like it really does flip the meaning i think i don't know exactly yeah. what she's trying to say though it's it's like a it's almost like a gutting or a hollowing out to peel out the watchword in this this case yeah i guess it's like it's like removing your belief which your belief was perhaps in this person mhm and there's something maybe about it being a word that it is like something communicable that she then her her watchword has been peeled out and then given to the other side here as we kind of get into in verse two which is coming up which is coming up right now right now fast she knows what's going on seems we got a cheaper feel now all the sweeties are gone gone to the other side with my encyclopedia they must have paid her a nice price she's putting on her string bean love string bean love Yes, they spell, she spells sweeties a bit strange. Sweet, S-W-E-E-T-E-A-Z-E. I don't know if that's just one of those, like, we spelled it a little different. 
Like, yeah, I I'm trying to think of if it like refers to a, a brand that maybe existed in the 90s. I couldn't find anything Googling it of like an artificial sweetener. But also some, the some raisins kind of... are a sweet part of the sweeter part of the cereal. Mm, could be so. that as well. Is that a cereal term? A sweet tease is like what you put in there to make little dipshit kids eat their cornflakes? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but it's sort of saying all the sweeties are gone to me makes it seem like she just feels like she doesn't have anyone on her side anymore. Yeah, all the kindness is gone. And something about that spelling makes me believe that the sweetness was false, that it was artificial or like fake. Like it's, it's a brand name. Yeah. Threw a Z in there to make it more appealing to children. Mm-hmm. And then cheaper feel. It's preceded by the line "cheaper feel," right? So then there's yeah. something that speaks cheapness in in that yeah. phrasing of sweeties. It's, it's like it's a product. Mm-hmm. So this implies that the the betrayal was done knowingly. It wasn't some unwitting thing, because and, and it seems she has valued the, the raisin girls or Tori Amos or the narrator, whoever it may be, as being cheap. And not as valuable as whatever nice price she's getting paid to to betray her by these other cornflake girls. Gone to the other side with my encyclopedia, as in, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think this is a literal encyclopedia that she's stolen, right, t- to thwart her studies, but a, rather an encyclopedia of the narrator, you know, her watchword, as it might be, among other details that she can use to then destroy her. Yeah. So this is maybe a more literal or a more direct thing, but she says all the sweeties are gone, gone to the other side with my encyclopedia, which mm-hmm. encyclopedia is just a collection of like all knowledge or as much as possible. So it's like maybe she just feels like she doesn't know anything anymore because of this betrayal. Right. Like all the things she thought she knew. Is just, just right. Gone. Everything is gone to the other side. So this the sweetness is gone, yeah. gone to the other side. Her, her knowledge of anything because she's been turned upside down by this betrayal. Yeah, that checks out. And then must have paid her night's price. Kind of like a sarcastic thing. Like I hope she got something out of it. She's destroyed. You know everything I thought I knew. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> And then also sort of implying and then putting on a string bean love like there's still like masks up, I think, like the string bean kind of implies, well, I had to look this up because I was like, but I like string beans. I guess they're considered bland. Yeah, um, they're not like I mean, if you spice them up right, sure, there's some good yeah. string beans, but like I, 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 I dig string beans. But anyway, that's my relationship with vegetables. I like them. Um, but yes, so it's like bland kind of small normal um sort of greenish love i don't i don't know if that means anything (laughs) normal i don't know if normal is the right one to apply to this i I think bland is right i think because i like i'm thinking string beans i don't think of like something filling right yeah i suppose it's not a main course Mm -hmm. it's 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 this bland like pittance so it's a it's a facsimile of love it's not the real thing it's string bean love yeah um which so it sounds like this other person is still sort of acting like nothing's wrong maybe mm-hmm. still keeping a smile but there was this betrayal that happened 
and then yeah from that point we get the pre-chorus and chorus again we get a repetition of the first two lines of the first verse never was a cornflake girl thought that was a good solution and then we come to the refrain which is rabbit where'd you put the keys girl which is repeated um essentially several times with different little uh ad-libs put on there yeah and apparently rabbit's a person um, yeah this, this is, is indecipherable if you don't know tori amos's um, history <laughs> Rabbit is like a hippie type, a deadhead specifically, um, who, for anyone not aware, is a fan of the uh, Grateful Dead, a band, uh, a group yeah, of... Yeah, go back and listen to our Boys of Summer episode, Boys of Summer fucking episode. ding-dongs. It's a pretty good episode. I, I remember enjoying it. Um, yeah. And also they would follow the band around, kind of yeah. like uh, vagabond types, you know. Yeah. Hippie vagabonds. Um, so apparently that's who this person is, and she's trying to find the keys perhaps to a vehicle, sort of trying to escape, maybe, like get out of the place by driving away. Yeah, whether it's a, a door or a vehicle, it's it's some True, means there's of some... escape from the current situation. Yeah, keys generally open doors, so they're trying to move through a door, perhaps into a car. And I'm only saying a car because of the deadhead thing. Right, because they and would drive off and the follow, grid. yeah, follow the band around, or maybe they would, I don't know, hitchhike. Doesn't yeah, matter. This, I've got a quote here about Rabbit. This is from 2012. She says, "Rabbit is someone that I knew, a fantastic magical creature that would live in the woods, that would work maybe six months of the year with her partner, who was Fox. They were Rabbit and Fox. They would live in the woods of Oregon. I'm talking about the Great Woods. I don't mean just a park, and they live out in the wilds. So Rabbit living in the woods with Fox, I thought that was romantic. So it is really her dreaming." of a romantic escape in a life that her friend led. Yeah, trying to get away, really, from this experience. Yeah, she's like, get away from, like, the, this, this society of women eating women and betraying each other. Just get me out in the woods with some dude, maybe, and we just fucking live in peace, work six months of the year, and, I don't know, make moonshine the other six. Listen to the Grateful Dead? Yeah, presumably. <laughs> Um, so that's that one, a, a, a plea to, for a friend who is presumably gone because she's out in the goddamn woods. Yep. To, to say, like, where did, where, where did you put the keys? Where is the solution to, to get to where you are? How do I get there? And then we come to this bridge, which is uh, sang by Mary Clayton, who is uh, a famous backup singer, perhaps most well-known for her duet with uh, Mick Jagger on Gimme Shelter. Gimme Shelter. So she sings this part, and uh, if you thought the last part was weird, here's yeah. this part. <laughs> and the man with the golden gun thinks he knows so much, thinks he knows so much, yeah. That's the, the main part with yeah. somebody saying between lines, don't close this door, I know it's so easy. Yeah, so this part is weird. Um, see, because anytime you talk about the man with the golden gun, I'm going to think of James Bond. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely. And, and the Alice Cooper song called The Man with the Golden Gun. Which is, I'm assuming, in probably about probably James inspired Bond. by James Bond. Um, what's interesting about this part of the song is it really sounds to me like a specific Bond song. That song being "Another Way to Die," which is from 2008. So I don't know if there's any influence between those two things, mm. but that song this does remind me of that song. Particularly in the way the lyrics are 
song. Mm. Um, it's not the same, but anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. That's the yeah. Jack White, Alicia Keys Bond song. Okay. Which one is a duet? Like this yes. part of the song. Like There's piano the song. featured fairly prominently in both. Okay. The like way the song, yeah. lyrics are sung, kind of almost chanted. And the man with the golden gun thinks you know something. Oh, so yeah. Thinks you know something. And like, I don't know. I just there were some connections between them that I thought were kind of neat. Yeah. I. Um, oh, oh, and me. sorry, there was one more. They're both about betrayal. <laughs> Because like Quantum of Solace, which is the Bond movie from 2008, that song was about is like all about James Bond being betrayed by the woman from uh, Casino Royale. Don't know any names. Um, right. And this, and so yeah, that movie's about betrayal. This song is also about betrayal. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's um looking at the uh, the genius annotations for this doesn't really helped no it's... decipher it in a march 1994 interview amos responded um that he is dreams and that he was never a contender nor did he ever want to be so great he's kind of detached yeah and then amos refers to him in another interview as a god reference so uh, a reference to to god um, and for some reason, that then makes me think of the song Big Brother by David Bowie. Okay. Where, where so? he states the line, I know you think you're awful square, but you made everyone and you've been everywhere. Lord, I'd think you overdose if you knew what's going knew down. What's which, going down. Which I've always taken as a line to either speak to somebody who thinks they are God or is literally God. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to think about that one. Because he made everyone, and he says, I know you think you're awesome. You made everyone. And you've been everywhere, but if you'd seen all the shit that's happening from what you've done, I think you'd overdose because mm. you wouldn't want to deal with the consequences of your own creation. Interesting. I've never heard it exactly that way. I've never looked up the lyrics before, so I've mm. never thought of it that way. I, I've never heard the line square. I always thought he said swell. I know you think you're awful swell because you made everyone yeah. and you're beautiful. I thought he said you met everyone. So I was like, yeah, someone who knows everyone and travels places. It's just very oh, affluent. Yeah. A real, a real social gadabout. But yeah, who no. is, like, detached. But that's interesting. That changes it actually quite a bit. That does change it quite a bit. So, yeah, we have this man with the golden gun who thinks he knows so much. Um, all of this, all of these words we've said around it to say, I don't know. I don't know what this is about. Yeah. I mean, there's some more talk about doors. So, like, don't close the door. It's easy to do nothing, basically. Mm -hmm. But don't. You got to go through the door. And then Rabbit has the keys also. Oh, yeah, then we go back into a rabbit, where'd you put the keys, girl, thing. Yeah. So there obviously is, yeah, some connection there, right? And definitely the don't close this door seems to play with the key line. But, um, yeah. As for the man with the golden gun, I don't know, dog, he's dreams. Yeah, he's dreams. Me? It's a God reference, really, I think. It, it Really, it's a God reference at the end of the day. Uh, golden gun. I mean, what is the golden gun? The golden gun's a really powerful gun that kills everyone in one hit. I think I haven't seen it in a movie. I've only seen. It um, in I've I've, I've only game. I've only used yeah in in the video game in GoldenEye. So now there is one comment that says it reminds me of James Bond, the man with the golden gun, but it doesn't actually say anything beyond that. Yeah. 
although, let me think. Gun is phallic and a golden gun. Someone who tries to solve problems with his dick. This still doesn't make any sense. No, it's... I think this one is, uh, listen, dog, here's what I can tell you. He's not a wolf. He is dreams. He was never a contender, nor did he ever want to be. So okay. think about that. Really take that in personally. And just uh, and think about that. Wait, hang on. There's a proposed edit here. This might change everything. I'm going to read this live on air. Just kidding. It's not live. But in later years, though, Tori has backpedaled on the bridge as far as it being a rebuke against God. As she has mellowed out over the years on the live version of the song from To Venus and Back, Tori self-edited the line to, and the man with the golden gun thinks he knows so much, more controversially. Wait, wait, hang on a second. Skips out on the golden gun part? Yeah, that seems to be it. And the man with the thinks he knows so much. More controversially, though, in the version of Cornflake Girl included on Tales of the Librarian, best of, Tori overdubbed new lines over the bridge. The new lines are, don't close this door, I know it's e- so easy to close this door, I know it's so easy. Is that so th- those lines aren't on the original? Um, there was one thing I saw that said, actually, they are in the original, they're just very quiet. Yeah, that's what I heard on the track I listened to. So, I don't know, man. So this person is suggesting that because she didn't sing The Golden Gun on, on later years, that is no longer her rebuking God. I suppose it could be, like, just generally, like, everything shitty. I'm going to curse God because that's a thing you could do in that situation. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, is, it, so this, is this another Jesus died for someone's sins but not mine? Could be. Yeah, fuck it. I'm satisfied to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't have anything else to say about it. So. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get much further just reading genius annotations and screaming into microphones. Oh, That's the lyrics of the song. It's about betrayal. The song is Mean Girls. Mean Girls, the movie. The song. The video game. The book. Yeah. All the right. book. Those are all the forms of media. They sure are. The podcast. Now, now let's talk okay. about this this form of media. The song. The song. The music. Alex, tell me about this music. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We start with like, I, I the start is kind of like at least at this point, sounds kind of generic, right off the bat, because it's like mandolin strumming fast. Mm-hmm. Um, strumming in triplets. I'm not saying this song sounds generic, but like right off the bat, you're like, this could be anything. Yeah, you don't know what you're getting into. And kind of like a steady pulse on the drums. Again, like that low. And then really that like triplet rhythm kind of informs a lot of the rest of the song. Um, I've, it's kind of like a, a shuffle beat throughout mm-hmm. but it's also kind of a, like a, a like a lazy almost like it doesn't feel like a super tight shuffle to me right that's that's the vibe i got off of it yeah i believe that um so we get that we get the drums we get the mandolin in and then uh like a couple notes from a bass line and then the piano comes in the mandolin leaves and what replaces the mandolin is whistling did that get picked up I whistled. No, I did not get okay. picked up. Well, it'll be on my track on my end. Um, I, I know it will. 
<laughs> Do you hear a lot of whistling on my tracks? I whistle no, from time No, but to there time. was something else you did on an earlier episode, and I was like, I didn't hear that. And then editing, I was like, no, that's that thing. Yeah, neat. <laughs> yeah, because uh, for some reason, Discord won't, won't send my whistles to you. Fucking Discord. The man is bringing us down. Alex, that whistle, though, a hot, contentious point in the recording studio. Really? Um, this is uh, from Song Facts. Tori fought hard for the whistling that comes in over her piano at the beginning of the song. Everyone else, including her then-boyfriend slash producer, Eric Ross, Eric Rossi, maybe, was in favor of a mandolin line that guitarist Steve Catton came up with. Everybody really liked that, she told the Baltimore Sun in 1994. And even in the mix studio, I was screaming at the top of my lungs that it had to be a whistle. I want the cowboys coming over the hill. Eric was laughing his head off in the mixer. Kevin Killen said to me, the whistle is naff, Tori. Naff meaning uh, tasteless in, in British speak. And I said, well, guess what, Kevin? When you make your own song, you can put your own mandolin on it. This is a whistle. Fucking put it in. Put the samples in. So I got my whistle and I'm happy as a clam to this day. Yeah, I mean, it does sound cool and it does sound Western. Yeah, it really sets some tone for this song. So, it's a neat sound. And I like, like, it's a cool little riff, and it comes up a few times, and other people do use it, but I don't think anyone else actually whistles. No. It's a lost art, really. It is. I think so. one, one artist tries to take, like, kind of the tone of the whistle and apply it to a guitar. Yes. But that's as close as we get to yeah. really, really getting the whistle in. Yeah, so then I guess the other, this is when the piano comes in, and mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming this is the piano riff that she came up listening to reggae. Yeah, this with. would be my guess. Um, so it sort of plays, she sort of plays other notes in between, but that's like the main meat of the riff. Yeah. That's the part that we, that we groove to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and also here, that's this is where the drums get kind of that shuffly feel. They're not as right. fast as some of the other versions, but in the verse you're saying they get the shuffle feel. Yeah, I think so. Well, right before it, right before the verse, like as they're playing, like when the piano comes in and then they do the whistle again and then the verse happens. Okay, sure, I'll believe it, Alex. Okay, maybe I'm just hearing the shuffle. Okay. So it's yeah, it's say, fairly straight. Consistent. They're fairly yeah. straight. They're not doing the triplet thing, but that kind of comes up. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm putting that in the song myself. Maybe. Maybe you're working on a cover of Cornflake Girl right now, Alex. Maybe. But I'm hearing I'm feeling shuffle. I'm shuffling. I'll allow it. There's also like sleigh bells on this. <laughs> yes, there's yeah jingle bells pretty regularly yeah. throughout this part and i think the rest of the song just put them on the drum or whatever and yeah. just a little just a little jingle in there for you um stays pretty consistent for the verse then we hit the pre-chorus where things basically drop the piano gets like a couple of sparse notes in there but we mostly just hear what sounds like uh Tori Amos stumbling over her words this is not, this, uh, this is not really happening, y'all. Yes. It's, it's kind of cool, because like I said before, it kind of sounds like a skip. Um, yeah. And just briefly, to sort of add to what I said before about the shuffle. It's not really shuffling, but there's still a triplet feel. All right, Alex. To the rhythm. 
<laughs> one drummer out there is very thankful for all your input on this. So that's that's the thing. That's the thing, baby. Yeah. So then we get to the the chorus. She goes very high on her vocals. Yeah, she goes into I what I would call a falsetto. I I'm always told that that is maybe not the right term in this in some cases and I don't understand it, but that's what I would call it. She goes into a pre-falsetto. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> sounds like a falsetto to me. It sounds like that to me, too. Yeah. And so the first half of this, the, the bet your life here is everything's fucking in it. The piano's fucking mashing some keys, going hard. The drums are there. And then when we hit the, the watchword segment, it's just the piano doing a very, like, one note following the vocal melody. Yeah, they're ding, ding, together. Ding, ding. So big contrast just in the chorus itself. It's true. It's very two very distinct halves. Uh, also, she says just a little weird. I don't know why. It sounds like juiced. 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 Now I got to listen for that. Juiced. Yeah, you're right. All right. You got her. Yeah. Way to go, Tori Amos. No wonder this was only bubbling under the hot 100. You can't even say just right. Jeez. Everyone... <laughs> Everyone wants to hear that. So then we get that whistle coming back to move us into verse two. Um, apparently, oh, uh, worth mentioning, you can hear the mandolin on the chorus. And it starts to build in on the second verse here as well. It's very much in the background, though. But otherwise, yeah. other than that, this is still pretty pretty strict to the formula of the first verse yes for a bit then there's some more guitar that comes in it's like on the sweeties line mm. get the like kind of sound but it's, yeah it's, it's just like a little kind extra of like, texturing yeah it's like a like a wah on kind of like a thinner sounding overdriven type guitar mm-hmm. yeah and then the the pre-chorus is pretty much the same the chorus, pretty much the same. Yeah, there's an acoustic guitar now, I think. On the chorus? Could be that mandolin. Oh, sorry, on the pre-chorus. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think it's an acoustic Briefly. guitar. Briefly. Yeah. yeah, just it plays like one chord and then just <laughs> it plays fucks like off. Chord and like, Thank you. Um... So yeah, it's that kind of song where like there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's mm -hmm. a lot of sounds happening. Um, I guess that's part of the '90s, you know. We they could put all these different parts together, and it was a lot more. Well, I guess uh, I'm not going to talk about history right now. Yeah, and then at like two seventeen, we get the start of this. Is it a, like an electric mandolin? Is it a guitar? What is it? This. Now, I suppose, yeah, it's it's like very high up. Uh, it could definitely be on a mandolin, I think. It's very echoey um, version of that that riff that was played on the on the whistle, or was yeah. the whistle riff part. Yeah. Um, but now it's on some other instrument. Mandolin sounds right. Feels right to me. Yeah. And from there, we move into this sort of piano solo section, very a very haunting bridge. Yeah, kind of at the midpoint. Now we. Do a little, do a little, do a little piano solo. Cause why not? 
Yeah. I always uh, or often struggle to place um, solos uh, like in the narrative, you know? Mm. Like, what's the purpose for stopping everything to, to play the piano for a bit? Um, right. That said, solos do have their own narrative. They tell a story without words. But I find it very difficult to identify that story. Right. All this is to now, say, mm-hmm. it's a decent solo. Decent solo, yeah. I mean, there's definitely, we've heard enough jazz covers to know when something is just a solo for solo's sake. <laughs> definitely. I feel like and this doesn't that have that feeling to it. rife with it. Yeah, this yeah. one feels very natural. And from there, we move into the, to the rabbit section, which also gets a uh, distorted sort of echoey guitar that comes in. Yes, it's got this like that kind of like it's got yeah. like a beat to it. You may notice it's got a triplet feel to it. I have noticed that, Alex. Um Does it have a swing rhythm though or a shuffle? Maybe. So from then we go from the rabbit section back into another uh, piano section, but then we get her vocalizing the same melody along with it. Yeah. Yes, kind of. I said humming, but it's not really humming. It's like... But with the actual melody. Yeah. And this is where Mary Clayton comes in, right? Yeah, she comes in, starts singing the man with the golden gun lines. And the man with the golden gun... Etc. She's a good singer. If you heard her sing, it's good. She does a great job with this part. Good. Um, There's a lot of like layers here too, because like they're kind of both singing different things, and there's that stuff in the background. So there's a lot of sounds going on here. It's fairly cacophonous. Mm -hmm. It's a definite like build to a climax kind of thing. Yeah. Every like the the piano starts going. um, This guitar comes back. It's just, yeah, everything starts playing a lot, and then we get to the the final line where everything breaks away. Yeah, but it it lasts for quite a while. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's it's like a, like at least a minute of build. And then I, like a piano, another piano solo. Mm-hmm. Um, this piano solo, I actually think this piano solo sounds pretty cool, because it's very, like flowy you know like it's yeah. very there's a lot of like like it's a lot of like it's motion is downwards a lot of the time but it's kind of not just playing like straight arpeggios it's it's holding a lot of notes and without stopping the motion yeah it's it's a like constant motion but there is a, a richness in the sound like she must be throwing in some chords or something on an extra yeah. hand i don't fucking know <gasps> She definitely has two hands. I can confirm that. I've seen her. I've seen pictures. I've seen pictures. Anyway. Yeah, so we get to the rabbit uh, uh, reprise. Hit the last line where all these these instruments which have been building then just drop out. Yeah, yeah. That rabbit bit. Very... A lot of stuff going on. Like all the mm-hmm. other parts, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah. You got mandolin, you got 
that electric guitar, I think. Yeah. You know, everything. Piano's gone. Everything's there. The whole gang's back. The acoustic guitar maybe even played another note. I don't know. Probably. It's only doing Probably. one at a time, apparently, so it's easy to miss. It's easy to miss. Now, that's the song. That's the lyrics, the instrumentation. There's two music videos for this one. One for the UK, uh, directed by, I think they're called Big TV, or something like that. Big who's, TV. Who's two people, and then one in the US, directed by, yeah. I don't know. Big and TV. Some, some person. Sounds yeah, <laughs> Big and TV, they combine their names. Let's talk about the UK music video, Alex. Yeah, all right. Um, so, supposedly this one is Alice in one. No, not Alice in Wonderland. Wizard of Oz? No, uh, Dorothy, yeah, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. But in Oz is hell. So that's the like line from the interview. Yes. Um, basically, it starts. She's like in a house lying down on what does not appear to be a very comfortable place to lie down because it's very narrow. And yeah. there's a bird in a cage and that bird is fake. It's a fake bird. It's like mechanical. Yeah, it's got this fucking mechanical head that hasn't been covered in bird feathers or anything. So it just looks creepy. And maybe it's implied that it's doing the whistle. I don't know. Birds do that sometimes. They whistle. Yeah, that, no, it's fully implied, because when that whistle comes back, the bird is there again. Um, yeah, she's lying on what turns out to be a piano. Oh, it does? Yeah. I missed that part. That's like, uh, you go 20 seconds in there. It's a slow reveal. It is a slow reveal. The camera's like sliding down. Shows she's singing. Shows her face. Starts singing yeah. about how she's not a cornflake girl. Um, and she's just kind of like uh, lying down in this place. There's a few mm -hmm. shots in there. Like it zooms right up on her lips. Damn. She has like very pale skin and uh, like red lipstick on. And then yeah, pans down eventually to this painting. At this point, everything's in color, but then we shift over to a girl on a swing in space, and then everything's black and white. Yes, which I'm assuming when we go black and white, we're going to like a dreamland. But I, I guess that's what happened. In it's the reverse that happened. The Wizard in, of Oz, uh, but it's Wizard of Oz. Hmm. Maybe then she is the houses. So maybe this is her mm. being so sort of the the song is about being dragged to the reality that she can't escape the, uh, the you know betrayal and shittiness just by hanging out with open minded people. Maybe so. So instead, so she was in a colorful reality and then brought to real reality, which is black and white and also hell in this. And also hell. Context. I guess so. Kind of like dragged back down, and it does show like a twister picking up yeah. houses. So it's literally got. Like that, that Wizard of Oz part. I don't think it's literally the clip from the movie. No, um, I think it is uh, because because those houses look computer weird. generated. And then yeah, we get like we get a lot of spinning like close ups on her, her falling into space in one shot. Yeah, there's It'll one shot. It looks like it's a well, basically. Like there's lots, yeah. yeah, lots of falling and spinning. But at one point, it just so happens that it's a well that it looks like mm -hmm. they're falling into. We got this shot of two people with like an umbilical cord between them, like while they're in the middle of the, the yeah. tornado or twister. Yeah, spinning. Spinning yeah. in the air. And then, then uh, there's uh, some lights. A, a house is flying up and down along with the person and that couple. She spends some time in like a spider web. Yes. Um, 
also a, in like space. an Inuit woman that she is also given a close up for some time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't understand a lot of this. I'm gonna admit right now. Yeah, yeah. I'll be imagery. honest. Like, I get it to an extent, and then there's a, an Inuit woman. I'm like, all right. And then also there's <laughs> like two women in one in a white dress and one in a black dress. Oh yeah, that's well. That's are those the two who fight each other in sort of vignettes near the end? Uh, possibly. They're definitely wearing different clothing in this part. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and yeah, then we get I, to I'm see Toriemos play the piano. A little. Well, bit. That's it. Like those two women are the are the betrayal we're seeing. They're in. They're yeah, close I guess together. so. And then eventually we see them like pulling at each other's hair and beating the shit out of each other and sort of yeah they just like frozen fight vignettes. it's it's weird because it's frozen but it's not like a picture because it's yeah. clearly just them holding the holding the pose and yeah. then like they'll move a different body part or something, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of surreal. It so also like, uh, yeah. sorry no no, you no go. go ahead all right um it's it kind of reminded me you. Do you know, have you seen that picture where it's like two women and one of them is like forcing the other one to drink milk out of a jar of like a, like a thing. Have you seen that? No. It's just like really like sexually charged picture in a really weird way. This reminded me of that. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Oh yeah. I'm seeing this now. Yeah. Yeah. So particularly like some of the early ones. It's like just a shot of like one one of the women in like a very low cut shirt, just like bending over, and like the other one's just grabbing her hair, and all you see is, and they're just like glaring at each other. So it yeah. reminded me of that. It's that kind of stuff. It's that kind of thing. And then at the end of this video, she actually is back in color on the ground in this. Uh... Yeah, after we see the fighting. Yeah. Also, there's a piano that's attached by a long, hairy umbilical cord to some furry boots. So that's neat. So that's neat. Does it mean anything? Maybe. There's an angel yeah. falling at one point. Does that mean something? I don't know. Probably. It's hell. The house is on fire? Sounds like hell to me. So yeah, this very chaotic uh, music video, perhaps to reflect the the internal state of of the narrator's mind during betrayals. Yeah, maybe she sort of wakes up on the floor at the end with leaves. So I guess yeah, yeah. and the piano's laying over. So like she survived, but at what cost? At what cost? Well, we don't know, but I do know this: that the American version is a good old fashioned road trip. Yeah, it's a lot different. They're just like driving in a truck through the desert and again it's a, well it's a bunch of women tori's driving everyone else is in the uh the trunk and one of them is tied up presumably yep. the betrayer is she the betrayer is that the i thought maybe they're just bullying her just because i don't know they're, that was they're what bad I ass- people that's what i assumed that might be the, the might be the right take. There is some violence that is directed on the the other women though, because a fly goes on one woman's face and then the other fucking slaps her. Yeah, I still don't really know what's going on in this one. I I I I think again about women betraying women, even though they are all, are all together on this road trip. Yeah, I guess so. They're just not always. That is a harsh reality. And then they like find a playground and just chill there for a while. 
And then there's yeah. like a cowboy man. And then they cook him in a stew, but he cuts his own carrots to, to go in the stew. Yeah, I'm assuming he doesn't know so much. He doesn't seem... Maybe he thinks he knows so much, but he doesn't. I don't know. Cause I don't know. He, yeah, because they're like dancing around him all witchy, you know, dancing around a cauldron. Yeah. That's pretty witchy. Um, and he's just sitting in the cauldron cutting carrots with his like knife. So, so it seems like he doesn't know what's going on. You know? Yeah, it seems like he's like, oh, yeah, I know how to make a stew, ladies. Let me cut those carrots. And then they pull out lipstick and, and just like point yeah. it at him. And then he's just well, gone yeah. forever. You know what they say. Kids flash lipstick just like switchblades. <laughs> they they have said that. They've said that. And also at one point they're getting chased by a cowboy movie around 155. That's true. I'm assuming that... And then right after that is when the cowboy man appears. I'm assuming that's supposed to be the same cowboy man. Mm. But I don't know. Good, good eye. So Tori Amos does a couple of shots where she's on this like old wooden merry-go-round kind of contraption. And she'll pretend to play the piano while she's on it. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's just like on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because the, the, the stew scene happens during the man with the golden gun. Yeah. So I'm assuming he's like he, the mention of a man. He's the only man in this. So. Yeah, he is. Uh, I'm assuming. Um, I guess overall, this music video is like... It's it's a bunch of women who are together and they don't always get along, but at the end of the day, they like band together to to murder men to murder a guy. So so that's nice, I guess. Maybe and also just to go hog wild on Tori Amos's truck. Yeah, then they dance around on the truck for a while. But I mean, it's a piano solo. I'd be dancing too. Yeah. Oh yeah, she plays piano on her body as well as the the merry-go-round. Yeah, and then kind of the rest is just, like, dancing around on the playground. Yeah. So, again, I don't know what's going on here. But I think I'm in favor of it? <laughs> Seems all right. Seems all right to me. Yeah, I think they're both very visually interesting. and That is true. I think related, at least enough. Like, there's enough that me, a, a dumbass, can look at and be like, yeah, it's kind of like the song, that it doesn't seem completely outlandish. Yeah, I mean, well, as much as any other music video, I thought they were decent. Yeah, I, I will say I enjoyed viewing these, and sometimes I don't, but this time I did. Alex, we're going to talk about some covers. Here. First off, we're talking about Annie Adams and also the year 1994. This is Alex. like a dance Who remix, is Annie Adams? but not just a remix. That's a good question. Uh, definitely a singer, but probably not a Victorian music hall performer. You don't think she was the first female music hall performer? I'm who assuming. Who died in like 1905? Yeah. <laughs> a fair call. Probably the right call. But other yeah, than this that, is, I don't know. I don't know. This is on a compilation. This, At least the Spotify version we found called Nonstop Dance 1993. 1993. Um... Yeah, and it's just like pretty short, fast version, 
of the song uh comes in with like like 90s electronic synthesizer um synth riff got like four on the floor drums lots of cymbal yeah synth bass playing fifths i mean yeah you pretty much just summed it up That's the song um, right there <laughs> yeah she has vocals she hits the the high notes pretty well i think on the you bet your life yeah she sounds a little more like produced i think than the original for sure yeah um it's definitely yeah on that end of the recording spectrum which is fairly different from what i would expect from tori amos because it's not tori amos um and other than that like there's a couple other synthesizers that come in um yeah for the the watchword segment we get this little buzzy synth Yes, which no, I don't have anything else to say about that. Nothing else. This one's simple. It's short. Uh, it's yeah, fun and cuts fast. out it no rabbit, out. no golden gun. Yeah, just goes it, and then ends. Is it all that related to cornflake girl? Eh, not really. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. But at least it has the good grace to leave within two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's not terrible. No, it's like it's bouncy and fun as a dance version. It's probably not like in the spirit of the song, but like as far as a quick dance song goes, that's vaguely familiar. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, to to it's it's to to upset people, not yeah. not upset like make them angry, but to throw them off. You go like, mm, it's cornflake girl, but she didn't oh, think you'd dance girl. to that. And you go, oh shit. Maybe I will. Mm. Maybe I will. That's all I have to say about this one. It's fine. Ultimately, I have yeah. no problems with it. <laughs> Let's talk about the old VSQ, Vitamin String Quartet. This version of this song, according to Second Hand Songs, was released on September 11th, 2001. Really? Really. Quite a day. What a day. I mean, obviously the most important thing was this song coming out. Yeah, but I'm sure there were other things going on as well. Uh, so this is, uh, sometimes the Vitamin String Quartet hits, sometimes they don't. I think this is leans towards the better uh, dynamics they've displayed on a song. Yeah, the original version definitely had like some complexity to it, and their arrangement really lends itself to that. Um, mm-hmm. But also, there's really only four of them, but it's, there's a lot of sounds going on, and, and they do create a lot of, like, fairly harsh sounds, uh, yeah, particularly at the beginning. Yeah, they time getting in with that. And, yeah, I think that's a pretty effective way of playing the song. Yeah, so at the top, it's just one doing, like, and then this other one doing some little, like, like upward runs. This Very intense. And then we kind of take it down into the, the verse section. It's a little more relaxed. We got, I think, two kind of trading back and forth on the rhythm. And then one doing the main vocal melody. And then one just kind of punching up bits and pieces where it can. Honestly, I didn't take a ton of notes on this one. Well, Alex. Um, but I found it I found it to be like pretty decent instrumental version. Like it's it's got it's got the like presence mm-hmm. to sell it, you know? Yeah, they do. What I did like is uh, at the end of the chorus for the the uh, the, what the fu- watchword section, mm-hmm. uh, they do this plucking 
There's a bit of plucking beforehand, oh, yeah. but it's, it's much more much more rich there, and that's a good good use of the technique. I think really makes it stand out from other parts of the song. Creating those layers. Yeah, I'm gonna get some chimes added in near the, like the final minute here, so around three minutes in, which like when, not a stringed instrument, but okay. But yeah, okay, guys, <laughs> pushing the boundaries a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, it makes me a little uncomfortable, but sure, yeah, sure. And then, yeah, around 3.18, we get this very, uh, I don't know what you'd call that kind of sound on a, the violin. It's like a, almost very harsh, sort of like you can really hear the string. It sounds very organic. Yeah, or I, I think I remember we, were, we, we looked it up a little while ago. I've for, mm-hmm. since forgotten, but it's just like you push harder on the bow. Yeah. Um, I think there were words for like different levels of pressure on the bow. Of course. Um, but it's a harder one. Yeah, I don't don't remember what they were off the top of my head. Well, yeah, and that's the that's that's it in and a that, nutshell. I think that's like that friction is one of the big reasons why this works. And I think I've said this about VSQ before. Like when they seem to work, it's when it's like a little bit more of like a harsh song, and they give it a harsher sound. Yeah, because if they play too soft, it's it's fucking elevator music. It's nothing. Yeah, and you really get that like feeling of digging into the strings, and then that kind of gives it that extra extra little bit of oomph that yeah. uh, makes it sound pretty good. Yeah, this is this yeah, it's what makes it sound alive. Um, yeah, that's Vitamin String Quartet, another mm-hmm. acceptable version by them. Somebody check the tally, see if they're a good group or not. <laughs> Um, <laughs> or just a group. Next up is Liza Lee in 2004. Liza Lee. One thing I will tell you about Liza Lee. Um, it's a very common name. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find much information on her other than that she has, seems to have some albums, but not much else. Yeah, online, well, much I found her business. like her web page. Oh, it was very easy to, to find. Well, I, I think. didn't not to call you a fucking fool, but uh, <laughs> it's well, a, it's, are you telling me she's not Liza Lee professor? Ed, ed, yes, she's not professor in music Liza and Lee. music education. Um, yeah, what did you so like scroll a, down a few uh, I, I must have I must have checked past the first result that, I don't, um, recording I don't artist, understand. performer and composer uh, she's a jazz musician her website stuff is very old it's talking about her 2006 CD yeah. which was uh, apparently after she had suffered a stroke wow. and had made a full comeback despite fears that she might not and so that's that that's Liza Lee baby yeah, she's on the jazz scene. And that's what this version is. It's a jazzy version. Yeah, this version is jazzy as the dickens, as they say. Starts out very simple, yeah, and all, like very staccato with a stand-up bass and some jazz piano rhythm. Then the, yeah. the jazz drums come in. Yep, less simple focus. Um, kind of like a... Like, they've reminded me still of the of the original drums, but they definitely have a jazz sound to them. Yeah, though it's a similar rhythm. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's the it's the drums they're hitting that I think maybe convey that or how they're hitting them that convey that jazz sound. Yeah, something like that. It's jazz, baby. 
whatever that means um very light on instrumentation nothing's really playing too hard here but they do like to to hit the notes they do like to dig into notes a bit sometimes yeah and it's just like a lot of jazz chords like you might expect from a jazz song um and the piano like you said is playing very like staccato and rhythmic but it's definitely very different from the original piano sound they're sort of sticking more with that jazz harmony thing and you'll know that when you go to the two minute fucking jazz piano solo after the first person chorus there is a jazz piano solo and it's quite lengthy too it's so fucking long i have no notes on it because i just stopped listening um let me see it seemed pretty good sometimes it makes sounds that are kind of like the melody but it is quite long it lasts from my notes from 105 to 255 but is it 205 did i write that down right it's I, I i round up sometimes but it's about two minutes yeah yeah it's lengthy it's lengthy it's fucking long oh see what you, you said it was two minutes long mm-hmm. okay i thought you said it started at two minutes no, I no, no, heard no, no, you. no 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 yeah it's long um it, i i thought it was pretty decent we've definitely heard worse solos that's yeah. for sure but it is still a little too self-indulgent for my tastes <laughs> It is that. Um, and then um, that's when the yeah. second verse starts. So we're like barely scratching the surface of this song. Yeah. Um, uh, we, I, I got to run back and mention some things on the chorus. Okay. Okay. Uh, she, her vocals switch between the left and right. Yes. Yeah, got that audio. pan back and forth. Um, yeah. And she's kind of got this like really gentle falsetto thing going on too. Yeah. Which she, so her jazz. verses are a low sort of talk jazz sing. And then she does the gentle falsetto on the uh, chorus. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense, because that's where she goes higher. You bet your life it is. Yeah. Uh, in the original. And then, of course, for that second half, it cuts down to just the piano. Yeah. So, yeah, 2.56 about we, we she starts singing again. And we're in the second verse. It's pretty similar to the first time around. Um, the, my next big note is when we get to the, the man with the golden gun, it's not the man with the golden gun. Yes, that is true. Yeah. It's every man with the cornflake girl thinks he knows so much. So I, I'm, what I get out of the line changes. Now we're talking about this song still about betrayal, but the implication is now that the betrayal was um, influenced by the man with the golden gun. Mm. So, make of it what you will. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. It's, so the man has now has an, an influence here. Yeah, he's not getting cooked in a stew unwittingly. He is unwittingly associating with the the wrong women. Or maybe he's just like. Look at all those men with cornflake girls. Think they know so much, but it's just a cornflake girl. So maybe he's not involved in the... Maybe. In the betrayal, but then why is he in the song? Yeah. Why, and why the line change? It just I, I guess the original is hard to parse as a line, what it means. It's true. Like, this one seems more palatable. Yeah, it's not introducing point. this new concept of a golden gun. Yeah. Over halfway through the song. Which, fair yeah, enough. Fair enough. Um, then from that, we go to... She has another gentle falsetto for the rabbit sections. 
and that we fade out on some jazz shit. It's jazz, man. It's jazz all the way down. Yep. Yep. A lot more uh, stripped down. It sounded to me, in terms of the production, like a little bit more amateurish mm. compared to the ones we've talked about so far. Um, and considering they spend so much time on the solo, it's probably a good thing that they shorten the outro ending section, the rabbit and yeah. golden gun parts, because... Uh, that could have taken a long time. This song could be like seven minutes long. I mean, it probably is on the, the master recording. Just yeah, probably. They published. But yeah, it's jazzy. It's jazzy. Well, you know what's not jazzy is our next band, Morphology, in 2007. Never was a Morphology, yes. Is this the Finnish music duo? I, I have to believe that it is. His accent, I would yeah. believe, is being Finnish. Sounds right. And there, there are some, I, like, their description of themselves is that they fuse early electro sounds with haunting melodies to create a deep blend of atmospheric future funk. I didn't notice any funk on this. I didn't even notice much electronic. There's, like, a barely some electronic and a lot of yeah. more, like, distorted sort of metal stuff. Yeah, which it's I could very, get like... Kind of post grungy, I think. Yeah. In 2007, that seems about right to me. Seems about right. Now, morphology is, of course, also the study of words, how they are formed, and their relationship to other words in the same language. Yeah, and how to change what you look like and That's what right. you are physically. <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, uh, obviously. The study of, the study of, I don't know. Uh, study of animorphs is also animorphs, yeah. animorphology <laughs> animorphology all right uh yeah so it comes in with like this kind of dark guitar line over these drums yeah distorted guitar mind you yeah heavy on the distortion on this um there's like a rising bass line in the background while oh, you get this heavy guitar uh like arpeggio followed by a don 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 and then yeah drums in the back mm-hmm mm-hmm um lots of yeah lots of like focus on this guitar layer idea yeah a lot of focus on the instrumentals in general i found the vocals getting eaten up a little bit by the guitar in the mix yeah yeah there's definitely sort of creating that f ah fuck what was i gonna say <laughs> started that sentence with maybe an idea but i lost it it's it over now to, i don't know about the best of us but it happens to me too <laughs> all right where were we um yes. loud mix the vocals come in there is a part early on it almost sounds like there's a synth like right as they transition into the first like 12 ish seconds in um, yeah i was gonna ask you about that i don't know it might be a synth but it might be more guitar i couldn't Could tell that maybe that's those electro sounds we're hearing yeah that's the electronic baby yeah. I did also notice a synth around the 130 mark. Yeah, um, I think there are some synthesizers in here. Yeah, it's it's similar to the acoustic guitar that in the original that comes in once. Yeah, but not enough that I would be like electronic track def. Definitely. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a huge, huge early electro influence on this. Uh no. or whatever. Um, he does the, the, the pre-chorus is pretty much the same. He does the, the same, uh, vocal affectation doing the sort of skip effect. This is not, this is not really happening. 
Yes. And the, the guitar does like a little ramp. Yeah, it's not sustaining chords, but it's playing. Uh, drums, everything gets sparser. That's what always happens in this part. Yeah, uh, and then we go from sparse to just like driving just rhythm everything. in the first half yeah. of the chorus. And this is, yeah, it's, it's like your garage rock, post-grunge, kind of just very simple. Hit the chords, hit them hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the second part, as it normally strips down, uh, previously it was the piano, but now it is a guitar, and it's like a very heavily overdubbed guitar playing yeah, some real like power metal yeah yeah it's like a it's a very stark contrast like, like kind of boston kind of power metal kind of thing going on yeah it's definitely catches the ear does it fit in with everything else i don't know it's, it's different from everything it's else different. to me anyway um then it, the right now we transition back and it's like Really, like, low and growly. This is a low and growly version, I would say. Yeah. Because it kind of just, like, that. like it's mostly bass, and then the guitar is just, like, sustaining this long chord and, like, maybe a little bit of feedback. Or maybe some feedback. Just for a couple seconds, and then we just go back into that verse. Yeah. And this, I do think there's some synthesizer here as well. Um... Yeah, it comes in at 1.30 pretty clearly. It's these just long hold notes. Yeah. Um, the guitar kind of cuts out and gets replaced by this, like, rising string synth. Mm-hmm. Um, worth noting on the chorus is that there, it sounds like they fit in a W in in it is. So you say you bet your life wit is, it sounds like. Wit is. This is just me pointing out people's accents yeah. that's not fun he also kind of says encyclopedia funny hey look at this guy what's, what's this guy doing um 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 um, um and, around uh, 220 we uh, come into the 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 bridge sort of the well, build to the the rabbit section i wanted to mention real yeah. quick uh the you bet your life part they'll extend yes. it for a while first oh yeah um yeah it so they do it six times instead of three so it's kind of because there's really of the three lines the first two are the same and then a different line it's five of the first two lines and five times total and then they do the end uh yeah and then just the rest of the thing so they just kind of stretch it out a little longer well i feel like they really like that that their watchword part they do i mean they got that guitar going yeah, like, they, they built that section, yes. like, separate from everything else. So, like, this part's got to slap real hard. And then it goes to, like, just bass. Yeah. A little bass solo. And then, like, a, like a, there's something doing, a, like, a two-note pattern. I don't think it's a bass. It's that... It's like a, it's like a synth oh. or an e-piano of some Dude, kind. In that section? I thought it was just really yeah. high up on the bass. That's not a bass. Okay. With, like, an octave pedal or something? No. Well, because you can hear the bass in that section. It goes, doom. And then the other part goes, bow, bow. That's, like, that's, the the tones are too different unless you're hopping on those pedals, like, real quick. I mean, it could be two basses. I don't think so, because there's no sign of two basses anywhere else in this. That's true. It would be a little out of place. Well, if it's not a bass, then I don't know what it is. I, I'm assuming some kind of synth. That's usually the answer, eh? That's usually what it, it is. It usually is. 
It's the, it's the catch-all answer. It's a weird sound. Well, that's what synthesizers do. They make weird that's sounds. What, that's what they do best. Yeah. Um, maybe it is a bass. Who knows? Nobody knows. It's impossible to know what sounds are made by instruments. Um, so then electric guitar <laughs> comes in, out. some heavy drum hits. Um, then we start getting a regular rock beat as he does the man with the golden gun section. Yes, yeah, so there's no rabbit part here. No, that's right. I don't think And then we all. get a pretty dank guitar solo that takes us out. Yeah, I actually, like, it was a pretty solid solo. Yeah, I, like I, was, I was honestly, like, really into it, and then it stopped. I was like, fuck, that was good. <laughs> and, like, I don't fully know why, but, oh, it's because it's, like, doing the sliding around thing. It's going, woo, 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 which is, like, cool sound. Yeah. Um, and that's the end of it. Like, it ends with that solo. Like you said. And then, yeah, I mean, it's in the spirit of the original. That's the, like, let everything rip section. True. I mean, the song itself is very, like, plodding. Like, it's not even slower, really, than the original, mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah, no, I think it's about the same pace. But, like, it's got this, like, slow plodding feel just because of how they do the rhythms. And obviously there's, like, the dark sound because of the tones and... That was pretty, pretty solid sound. Yeah, I think they they, they made solo. some good choices on this. It's certainly an interesting version. Yeah. Um, with that, we're gonna move into uh, Cave Doll a year Cave later Doll. in two thousand eight. They call themselves eclectic indie pop glam prog band. They're comprised of seven members. Another description they have is that Cave Doll originated in the late 80s as a failed attempt to create a cult in the already cult-saturated high desert of Utah <laughs> for the purpose of raising cash, free-ish love, lots of drugs, cute ladies, hot dudes with cooking skills, and solid beats abounding. None of this materialized. What is left in many albums by figurehead and curator Camden Ray and his more talented friends. Yeah. So were they actually around in the 80s? Because that would make more sense. I mean, probably. Um, Because if you look at their uh, Spotify, they have like 23 albums. And the earliest date is 2007, which seems like... Yeah, that seems... That's a lot, my friend. Incorrect. Um, So whether this was 2008 or not, well, it says 2008 in the in the second end songs, right? Yeah, it does. Huh. And this th- this wouldn't have been made in the 80s. This version, true, does not sound like it was made in the 80s. Um, it's, there's a lot of synth going on here, but not 80s synth. I don't think. No, no, it can't be. Anyway, more electronic comes in with like uh, like a. Uh, uh, what's it called? The drum machine. That's what it's called. And some mm-hmm. synth. Just doing synthy things. Um, and then a chord progression. Right, yeah. We, do we start with a synth or do we start with like a drum riff? It's like a... Sh- the, first there's like a, like a, a fade in with like a very slight synth. And then the drums. Right, yeah, I hear yeah. it. And then the drums come in. And then like and- the main synth. Yeah, that like I've, I described as a slow mo laser th- synth. If you're to take a, yeah. a laser firing and then yeah, kind slow of, it down, yeah, a laser synth that I think it's like some filters effects. Yeah, 
and then we get this other one over the top doing this doing the piano uh riff or like a version of it yes it's a very like it's a it's a quantized version of the piano riff from the original mm-hmm. so it's it's just more sounds like it was done on a, a sequencer now um Whereas the original was more free flowing because it was just a person playing it on the piano. Approximate noise. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Quanti- Sorry, I had to look up quantized, Alex. Quantized. Yeah. So it's like it's it's fit to the to the rhythm by a computer, basically. Yes. Yes. I, I've seen that now by by looking it up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And the the vocals coming on this, it's very much just even talk singing vocals put through a filter. Yeah. Which is a little eighties. Yeah, I guess that that is a little eighties, but that means when we hit the the pre-chorus and even the chorus, like they don't go up or anything. It's just kind of the same. That's true. Yeah, um, and got a lot of notes here. Sorry, I just need to parse them. <laughs> parse these notes, Alex. Uh, they also they do a lot of like skipping sounds, like the a synthesizer will play and then do like a kind of thing and then just keep playing that kind of like yeah like digital glitch kind of sound oh yeah and they they do at one point repeat the 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 word girl several times the girl 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 and you're like oh shit so that's another kind of like skip yeah so it kind of has that like breakdown sort of feeling to it mm-hmm. where it's it's a little bit falling apart and not quite totally polished i guess it's not that the song isn't polished it's just that it feels like maybe something's wrong yeah maybe um the the singing does get like very like breathy on the watchword segments a little vocal fry on there maybe at the watch yes uh peeling out the watchword um the chorus is like like gets a whole like dance bass synth thing like this like bam 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 like riff on there so there's, right there's a lot of that stuff going on um and of course that piano sound which is it's like clearly more synthy but it's still a piano ish sound for that yeah riff. it's like it's meant to be a piano but from space space piano yeah And then, yeah, in between the chorus and the next verse, we just get some, like, some laser shots. <laughs> yeah, pew-pews. some low bass. Um, and, like, uh, a high whistle, too. Mm-hmm. That I, I'm assuming comes from, like, a, a filter where you turn the resonance up, which causes the, um, the filter to self-oscillate and create that very sine wave sound that and then you just kind of move the filter to move that sine wave mm. frequency. Pew, pew, pew. Right. Then, like at one forty-ish, they they repeat that this is not really happening. Pre-chorus section, like three or four times before actually moving to the next part. Yes. Yeah. They kind of get that loops going on, and and the it's really got this like crushed sound on those on that bass and the and the drums there. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. And then you just get that like a synth runs down right into the chorus. Mm-hmm. Which that yeah, there's that synth bass riff again. <laughs> yeah, it comes back. Um, pretty much same as the first. 
Um, I guess it's got like that crank sound, which I mentioned. It's got like the glitch, the kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um. Oh right. Uh, they changed the way they do the vocals a little bit there. They're more spoken. At right. the at the in the second half, like the piano's still following, but it's like speaking. So like the right. melody itself is on the piano, and they don't really do the melody, but it's still there. But it's still there. Yeah, that's right. And then there's, so there's like some other sounds for the transition and like the bass does like a sweep thing, but then they do like a Mario power up sound um, for the rabbit. And then, and then they do the rabbit part. There's like a higher falsetto vocal layer added. Uh, and then there's some synth doing the synth part from the chorus is playing as well. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Mario powers down, I think at the end. <laughs> does he actually? Yeah. The, well, they do. Let's see. Um, so Mario powers up, and then we. Get I did catch that to one. Rabbit, and then they do like a drum, and then the man with the golden gun thing. Yeah. And then at the end, they do the maybe doesn't maybe just powers up again to get in yeah. to the well, second rabbit of, section. Yeah. Speaking of video games, though. When we come into the man with the golden gun section, around 3.08, this fucking whatever it is, it's a synth pretending to be something, starts sounding like some Final Fantasy boss music. Feel Which like part I'm, is I'm this? Final, um, around 3.08 there. It's doom, 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 doom. Oh, the, and, the like piano doing that. Yeah, it sounds like Final Fantasy 4 yeah because it's kind of like i mean there's a lot of like that lo-fi sound here yeah uh, you get the really get the rough edges um but yeah the end of the song goes pretty crazy too there's a lot of synth sounds there a lot of things going on yeah that rising arpeggio you mentioned um mostly that a lot of that mostly that yeah and all the other stuff we talked about. There's a lot of synth in this song. Yeah, and they decide to end on the this is not really happening uh, riff that they do right, there. Right, they bring that back. I also liked this one. I also liked this one. Oh, I wasn't crazy about this um, one. I don't know. There's a lot of synthesizer going on. It, it pulled me in. Well, here we go. It uh, did not pull me in, Alex. Hmm. Too much synthesizer? Not enough synthesizer? Yeah, just like, uh, I think too much. Yeah, and I could see just... that. It was pretty busy. It was, again, Very busy. I would say, like, comparing it to the Annie Adams version, it's like a more complex version of that. Kind yeah. of more modern, too. Um, I could definitely see it being, it's like, it could definitely easily be a bit much. Yeah, and I think I, I made the mistake of looking at their, their self-description before going into it, which always kind of, if they were annoying, if I find it annoying, it always paints me against them. Yeah, that doesn't help. Yeah. But hey, that's just me, man. We're going to talk about the dentists, because they're next. 2010, baby. Never was a cornflake They are. Yeah, although it was um, like an unreleased demo from earlier. 
Yeah, so, so. it was probably because the band only existed until 95. So it was probably from 94 or 95 they recorded this. Yeah. And then it was released on a compilation of demos and unreleased shit. The Dentists were an English indie rock band from the Medway towns as part of the Medway scene, according to Wikipedia, in England, who were active from 1984 to 1995. Yeah, allegedly important in like Britpop or the development of Britpop before Britpop was a big thing so like yeah they piss and moan on their uh their spotify bio it says although the dentists <laughs> were arguably the first brit pop band they never were able to capitalize when the style they perfected over the course of a decade suddenly became the next big thing around 1994 <laughs> yeah so like i'm not going to tell you they're better than oasis um but you but they seem just to leave people that sound clip they seem take that. to think they might be <laughs> Yeah, they do seem to suggest that. Um, so it's like, this starts out kind of like an acoustic rock version. You get an acoustic guitar doing that uh, mandolin intro. You get some drums in there. It's chill. Yeah, the drums, I think they really, on this one, play more of those triplets as opposed to just, like, swinging eighth notes kind of thing. Right. So you get more of that triplet feeling. You that's know. what I'm after, ultimately. It's about feeling triplets. Um, this one is also, like, a lot of the other ones change the structure up, or they'll at least move something around. Like, right. particularly in the second half. Um, mm. this one is actually a pretty straight cover, structurally. Yeah, you get his nasally British voice instead. Never was a conflict, girl. Um, yeah, but even, like, the bass line that comes in is pretty similar to what's present in the original. It really is quite faithful. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's got a pretty solid sound overall. Like they, yeah, like his, like you said, his nasally singing, like pretty distinctive. Yeah. Um, so I believe they are like a band that is mature. Like they've been together for, I assume, about ten years at this point, and are about to break up. Um, because it's got like they they sound pretty good together. Yeah, I mean, they, they make some good choices. The the guitar switches to distortion when they come into the chorus. It does some muted, uh, like, plucking to go along with the second half of the chorus. Um, yeah, like, it's technically sound. You're right. They they make all the, the good moves of their genre and yeah. sound good at it. Yeah. Um, sometimes they double up the vocals, particularly in the rabbit section. Some some lines of the chorus and like they'll come in with that that like brighter distorted guitar kind of thing yeah so like i don't have a problem with this or anything yeah it's something i don't know something about it just doesn't hit right yeah it's less interesting to me Mm-hmm. but i don't i don't know why necessarily it's a sound cover yeah, it's got a guitar solo around the 220 mark, and that's it's good. Sounds like a, a a guitar solo. Yeah, it's the guitar solo does sound a little bit um, interchangeable. I think. Yeah, you could you could swap out just about anything. Because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a rock and roll guitar solo. That's what that is, and like even the sound on it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's the whole thing and maybe i'm just not into this sound overall but maybe they seem to have it down 
Maybe they have perfected it. Well, at this point, they at just that point, didn't mm. perfect making it sound appealing. Yeah. Um, it ends with him saying, "Where'd you put the keys?" And then some radio static coming in behind, and that's that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. It's that's pretty it. close. A fine version. To the original, it's a bit shorter, and I forget. I didn't notice why, because they do most of the same stuff. I'm assuming yeah. solos are shorter. That could be it. That might be it, Alex. I'll tell you but this, though. It doesn't matter sure. anymore, because we're going to talk about Florence and the Machine in 2018. Yep, yep. It's an English indie rock band consisting of Florence Welch on vocals and Isabel the Machine Summers on the keyboard. And also other people, but they're the ones in the title. So fuck it. That's who you get to hear about. Yeah, that's who their top build. Um, that's right. And like you said, I, I assumed when I saw this playlist that this version was the one that you knew. Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, no, no secret that your boy's a Florence and the Machine fan. It's definitely something I know. Yeah. I um, haven't given them time or listened to them much. Give them some time, Personally, bro. Go, just go play Final Fantasy XV and one hear day, the cover of Stand By Me. Uh, one day I'll play Final Fantasy XV. You won't, Alex. Quit telling yourself things. I want to, though. I've been saying that about a lot of things, though. <laughs> um, so this is, like, I think Florence and the Machine and Tori Amos both have Baroque pop listed as one of their genres. Sure. So this is, uh, like, they have some means. overlap, obviously, and this is a cover that I think sounds very good, but it's not, like, a very outlandish. It's not, like, crazy in any sense. You don't go like, whoa, Florence and the Machine does Tori Amos? It's like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, there's like a few things that I think are cool or notable, but it, it is also like this one and The Dentist are really the only two versions that actually do the like same structure as the original. Mm hmm. From what I and recall. It's worth noting that this seems to be for like some kind of Spotify recording session this is like a like an in-studio recording right that's released as a spotify single so that might affect some of the production work perhaps yeah so we start off with like maybe a mandolin on this and a wood block for percussion yeah i think so are they like drums clicking maybe uh yeah. it sounds like um like a really oh, sped yeah. up version of the beginning of everybody wants to rule the world oh yeah you're right it does sound like that <laughs> um for the the like mandolin part or whatever um mm -hmm. and then kind of after that there's a shaker that takes over the mandolin rhythm that's right and then instead of the whistle coming in we get a, like a slide guitar there's your shuffle that's your shuffle finally we found it alex that's what the shaker's doing so sorry i interrupted you you were talking about something else the whistle. The whistle. And this one is a is a slide guitar. Yes, which is also a pretty cool sound. It's very and echoey. captures that that cowboy tone, I think, just as well. Yeah, I guess it's good to know kind of what the intent was, um, mm -hmm. because then you can change it without losing that, and yeah. that's what happens here. 
And I think there is also, there might be harp on this before the vocals come in. Maybe. She does have a harpist in her band at times, or in their band. Like, if you go to, like, 11 seconds in, it's in the right speaker. Let me try again. Well, I definitely heard a train. But definitely that, heard a train. I don't think, was in the song. Um... I mean, it comes in around three seconds after the first drum crash. It's that stringed instrument in the right. I think it's a harp. I'm just not noticing it right now. Well, but Alex, that's on that's, me, man. That's on my That ears. is on you. Just, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's there. Um, the other thing about this version, the piano is actually much less prominent in this mix compared mm-hmm. to, well, compared to the original very much. Um, yeah, it seems to be dealing with more of the bass range and mm-hmm. less of the, the riff. Which, interesting. Yeah, also notable, no bass guitar on this. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. actually notice. Well, that's because you're not looking for it, Alex. Because <laughs> I wasn't looking for it. Maybe it's a harp instead. That's why I didn't notice anything. Maybe. But, I mean, they still have a ton of stuff going on, you know? It's yeah. a pretty busy song. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, like the pre-chorus gets this like really deep piano chord, lots of bass on that. So, like you were saying, lots of low end on that piano. Yeah. And yeah, like Florence has fucking killer vocals. So, like the vocal performance is dank. It's a little softer, I think, than uh, than Tori Amos. Yeah, she's is, got a little uh, more like airy sound, but I think that's just a more modern thing. Yeah, it could be perhaps um i think overall they play more triplets as well and that's the the uh, the sign of a good cover the sign of a good cover you can fit in whereas the original gets a lot of like that swing this is plays the tickets tickets Mm -hmm. um yeah but like like we've said a lot of it's very similar uh one of the big things worth noting is in the the golden gun section it's just root notes on the piano as she sings that cut yeah cut it way down yeah Yeah. definitely very echoey um Mm -hmm. and then some like high triplet guitar triplets yeah they're important And then, yeah, you build in the other instruments, big drum roll to the final line, no instruments on that, like the original. Very faithful, good production, valuable, value, great band. Is it exciting, though? Does it blow your mind away if you've heard the original? I think this? some nah. parts are exciting. Like, I, I think the, the way they do the whistle on that guitar and then they bring it back at the end. Yeah. For, like, kind of its own. I, I don't know if it's quite a solo. But like it comes but back it does and ring it's out quite prominently, super echoey. And she's like, she's actually like holding a note uh, when it comes back in. And I think that's pretty exciting part. It's definitely yeah. got like this, like an intensity to it that uh, that is intriguing. Hell yeah. I'll let you have it, Alex. Alex, honestly, I'm just trying to be like non-biased because i'm probably still gonna pick this one for best cover so (laughs) it's got some good it's got some good parts the other thing it being like more modern than the other versions um can have that like really deep like when when the bass drum hits 
I feel oh, like yeah, we like... invented that. We like invented some frequencies or something. Because <laughs> I don't know, you don't hear that in older stuff that I can right. think of. Um, so we can fully take advantage yeah, of the bass like... drum and its depth. Yeah. Um, and uh, good, good, a lot of good low end in this. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, anything else to say before we move into the final verdicts? No, I don't think so. All right, Alex, we got three versions, three three categories today, rather. The worst version, the best version, and the version you would use in an advertisement for cornflakes. Cornflake version, eh? Yeah, the cornflake version. Alex, worst version of this, why? <sighs> worst version. You know, I actually thought that most of these were reasonably solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and the worst one... It's probably I'm gonna say Annie Adams. I didn't even really hate it. <laughs> but it also claimed to be the original version for some reason. Which is not true. But I had to Maybe it's check. the original version of that Annie Adams version. You know there's a radio edit, DJ Squirzy remix. DJ Squirzy. <laughs> all those um, other ones. I'm gonna say that. It's it's a little more lacking. I think it's like we said, like solid dance version, but it doesn't do a whole lot outside of that. Yeah, it is fairly divorced from yeah. the source material. Uh, for me, it's a toss up between Liza Lee and Cave Doll. Uh, didn't really like either of those. That might and that might just be genre preferences and some things. I think I'm gonna give it to Liza Lee because I I don't know maybe maybe you know you seem to like that cave doll one Alex and I tend to think that you have okay opinions on music I did like the cave doll one it's true I mean you you also like that one fucking like trop pop remix of take on me but that was a long time ago that was a long it still comes up sometimes on like made for you playlists I'm like I fuck this (laughs) I don't even remember that version um listen to it someday I'm gonna have to go back and see how you feel about it I'm going to give it to Liza Lee. Just, uh, it, it didn't hit as hard. I think there is room for a good jazz interpretation of this, particularly with how like central moody piano is to the original, but I don't think Liza Lee hit it. Therefore, it's my worst version. Alex, we got two my best version names of this. in this one. Annie yeah, Adams and true. Liza Lee. Huh. Liza Lee, two comic book characters. Neither of them can do a good cover of Cornflake Girl. Interesting. Alex, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my favorite version of this is Florence and the Machine. Well, What's I'm your favorite version? Florence. Or rather, the best version. Um, I think I liked Morphology best, which I, I unexpected. Mm-hmm. But they definitely have this, like, darkness to it. And uh, a pretty good guitar solo. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I, it's not a, a, a genre I'm usually drawn to. That sort of more modern like post grungy rock and roll mm-hmm. but i thought they did i thought it fit pretty well in this yeah uh, straight up i agree with you and i'm half considering changing my <laughs> my final verdict because it was really good yeah. uh, i think yeah in terms of capturing the energy i i'm still not 100 percent on their second half of the chorus i like it but i don't know if it fits right they just like <laughs> throw in this ripping metal guitar eh? yeah no? and it's just like we're in a different space now and i'm confused by it but overall yeah i think they captured sort of some of the spirit of that song but in a different context also the only uh, presumably all dude band to to tackle this one that we talked about today so neat so, well, dent wait i actually don't know the dentist line oh actually the dentists are probably all dudes too uh, I didn't think too much about them, so <laughs> I wiped them from my mind. 
Yeah, good pick. Uh, it's definitely, definitely a good pick, Alex. Alex, which, which one are you putting on in a cornflake ad? Which one goes in the cornflake ad? Hmm. Uh, if it was like a like an Apple ad, probably Florence and the Machine. But if it's a cornflake ad, that means it's got to be something that makes you not want to masturbate. That's right. Uh, because I'm pretty sure cornflakes are related to that in some way. I believe you're correct. Um, so I'm going to say the, the one of these that fits that best is probably hmm probably the dentist it was the also kind of the blandest version i think today and yeah. uh and that also fits cornflakes it's a good call alex i actually gonna, don't I'm... hate cornflakes but I don't eat cereal, really, so... Okay, well, that's going to make this bonus segment interesting. Um, <laughs> Alex, I was going to pick Vitamin String Quartet, because I was going to... Be, I'd be, like, subtle and cheeky about it, you know? It's like cornflakes, and then you just hear the, hear the string quartet, it's like, do you recognize that song? It's Cornflake Girl. You don't recognize it? Well, you're missing out. Yeah, that's probably a good move for a commercial. Just, like, put cornflakes... Yeah. And then someone's like, is that Cornflake Girl? And they're like, cornflakes, eat them. Eat them. Be a Cornflake Girl. And then, you know, people are like, maybe you shouldn't say be a cornflake girl. There's a lot of connotations there. They're like, oh, yeah. we tried. We tried to sell some cornflakes. That's our verdict. So final verdicts. You got a similar opinion, different opinion. Want to talk about a version that we didn't talk about? Hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag CoveringBePod. At Jake the Kresge. At some Alex Wise Guy. Email us at CoveringBePod at gmail.com. We haven't gotten an email since September. Probably September. Ooh, rate us, review us, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app, your brother's favorite podcasting app, your mother's favorite podcasting app. We're on all the apps. Check us out. Tell your friends to check us out. We don't have a budget. We barely have the will to go on. So you know what? <laughs> Help us out, my man. So the last email was from, uh, it was from actually October. Oh. No, wait, hang on. I can't. Yeah. I think it's it not a spam email, is it? No, they're all from... We've only ever had one person email us. It's John Pell. Oh, okay. And he's a good guy. And we appreciate we it. Thanks, John Pell. We love Thanks, you. Thanks, John Pell. Oh, actually, hang on. So, the last one we got was... <laughs> the last email we got was from December of last year. That sounds more... Yeah. That's, that's, that's accurate. Time really doesn't hits exist stuff on the Twitter anymore. Now. Wow. Alex, time for a bonus segment called Cornflake Boys. What's your favorite cereal? <laughs> My favorite cereal? Um... Let's see. So I haven't eaten cereal in a long time, but back when I was eating more cereal, I was more into like shreddies. Um, what are those? Mini wheats. I like mini wheats. Oh yeah, I fucked with mini wheats um, for sure. And I've always liked shreddies in life, actually, because mm. they're very like sweet, <laughs> um, without being like dyed a lot of colors. Um, so yeah, I think it might be like, sh like shreddies, but like, I'm, a, I'm an the honey it. version. Uh, but I, I yeah, I haven't had, sh we, we, do, what do we have in this house a lot? Honeycomb? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't eat it personally. Um, but that's the cereal we buy here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, me, I don't, don't, don't eat a lot of cereal at all. Uh, mini wheats, I definitely fucked with when I was younger because half of it's just frosting. That's true. That's nice. Brown That's sugar. Nice. Frosting. It's a, it's a great feeling. Um, other than that, uh, cinnamon toast crunch is a great one to just eat as a snack because it's just sugar and cinnamon. Yeah, we didn't buy a lot of like my mom would buy us like Fruit Loops and stuff, but we didn't. She didn't like to buy like sugary cereals, you know. Yeah, so I don't true. think I, I ever had tin- cinnamon toast crunch. Oh no, Alex. Or like, I don't know what else is there. Reese's Puffs. Reese? No, we never had Reese's Puffs. But those or... ones weren't as good as I wanted them to be. But of course, I just wanted to eat Reese's peanut butter cups for breakfast. <laughs> and anything short of that, not really doing it for me. <laughs> not good enough. Um. <laughs> We, I actually, I did, I, I like raisins, so raisin bran. I know you don't like raisins, fuck. so. But we didn't really have that much either. Wait, two scoops, man. Two scoops. Two scoops. You get two scoops of raisins. Kellogg's two raisin Two scoops of raisins. This episode is brought to you by Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Yeah, look out for specially marked packages of Cover Me Raisin Bran. <laughs> the raisins. Of cereals. Of cereals. That's been our show. Uh, if you want to tell us what your favorite cereal is, hashtag cornflake person. <laughs> That's what we always say on Cover Me. Just peel out the Cover Me.